Scooby-Doo, where are you? Probably has a lot to answer for. It was one of two gateway drugs to my lifelong passion for horror, along with Dennis Gifford's A Pictorial History of Horror Movies, which I first came into contact with on my auntie's bookshelf in the late 70s, and gradually became more and more obsessed with as the 80s progressed after she eventually relented and let me have it. After all these years I can pretty much read it without looking at it anymore, and I'd rank it in my top 10 favorite books ever, I'm not big into fiction, though M.R. James' Ghost Stories of an Antiquary is forever number one, so there's a lot of serial killer, World War II and rock biography stuff in there too, and this wonderful big hardback encyclopedia from 1973 that's packed to the gills with every horror movie you ever need to see when you're old enough. Speaking of top 10s, I'd rank Scooby-Doo, where are you? At number 3 in my top 10 TV shows ever, after Bottom and Miami Vice. Also note I'm being specific about where are you. Just to avoid any association with later abominations involving Scrappy-Doo. Anyway, between them, these two things are entirely responsible for the 3, 000 plus movies and untold amounts of horror memorabilia I'm now sitting on. This also explains my absolute excitement when a very jaw-dropping advert started appearing in computer games magazines during the autumn of 1985, and this is where our very own mystery begins. The advert promised the world. The first ever computer cartoon with over a hundred scenes of animated action, and it was going to kick off a new craze in computer gaming. The main image has Scooby and Shaggy doing a runner from an old guy that looks like he's from the Minor 49er episode, with the mystery machine parked outside a creepy castle behind them. As well as being chased around the castle and the dungeon, the accompanying text tells us we'll also be hurtling through abandoned mines in a runaway coal truck and being chased by a shark in a rowing boat. Sounding like the best game ever so far. It was all backed up by 10 very Spectrum-like screenshots, now, I could be wrong, but on closer inspection today I actually think they're hand-painted to look like Spectrum screens, with some very authentic yellows and clear avoidance of color clash in the sprites to throw you off the scent. You've got half a hanged, oversized skeleton in some kind of dungeon. There's Shaggy and Scooby in bed with a creepy-looking painting, no doubt with false eyes, on the bedroom wall. There's a really cool view out of a coastal cave with some kind of old galleon going out to sea in the distance, then the next screen seems to a distant view of the same thing, but it's nearly all sea and it's very hard to make out. The next two are also a bit hard to make out, with what might be a vase and some other unidentifiable junk in some kind of dungeon in one, and a partial large modern ship in a harbor with some more unidentifiable shapes in a dominant mass of yellow behind it. Then we have a beautiful haunted castle in some windswept green expanse before going a bit unidentifiable again, but it seems to be a wooden frame with some lamps on it in another dungeon-type setting. The last two are far more identifiable and exciting, with Scooby heading towards us down a corridor in one and possibly a sewage pipe in the other. A lot more detail appeared in the October 1985 issue of Crash Magazine, where they have an exclusive preview of the cartoon adventure which should be released this month. And it's here that we find just about the most detail we'd ever get. The concept was to create a groundbreaking game where you direct the action rather than control a character. Artists started developing animations from original cartoons, while programmers worked out how to compress it all to fit on a spectrum. We then learned that the, the game is set in a Scottish castle belonging to Shaggy's aunt, who's being driven out by spooky goings-on. She gives the gang 48 hours to solve the mystery and unmask the inevitable villain before she decides to sell up. This was all to translate to seven or eight action sequences interspersed by the Scooby gang interacting with each other, all against the clock. 
In one example of actual gameplay, Scooby is walking down a corridor in what sounds like an animation, then as he approaches a trapdoor the viewpoint changes, and it's up to you to direct the action, interfering with the outcome of the cartoon, rather than just playing a game. We're clearly talking about something like Dragon's Lair I guess, but the intention was the action and the outcome would be different each time you played. They wrap up saying that when they visited Elite, the raw material was all there and was being edited together, with all the animations committed to memory and just a few final details to work out. The following month the computer and video games magazine preview heralded the best graphics they'd seen on a spectrum in comparisons with Laserdisc cartoon games, all ready for review the following month. 1985 was quickly becoming 1986 and still no sign of the game, apart from what seemed to be the box art in an elite advert for freelance programmers in the January issue of C&VG. In the February issue there's a double-page Thorn Emmy advert with possibly Frank Bruno holding up the box, where's it pitted in a fight against Gremlin Graphics Super Sleuth. Lots of words about the game but even less information than before, and ominously there's no longer a screenshot of the best graphics on the spectrum. The following month C&VG has an exclusive on all sorts of stuff from Elite, dominated by the iconic first level of Bombjack on C64, but opening with something intriguing. Despite what you've read in other magazines, Elite still plans to release its cartoon computer adventure, Scooby-Doo in the Castle Mystery, for the 48K spectrum. On the next page we've also got the Scooby screenshot from the advert, where we're told the game is now coming in April, but elite boss Steve Wilcox also tells us it will be different from the version which has been heavily advertised. Seems they'd run out of memory in the 48k spectrum after all, so the plot thickens, all in the space of the same preview. To mark the launch of the game, the April C and VG is giving away 50 copies. It seems like I filled out the entry form but was stopped in my tracks when I had to choose which machine I wanted it for when I realized I didn't own any of them yet. If I'd known how long I'd be waiting, I could have picked one and would probably have had it by the time the game turned up with the winners. For now the trail goes quiet again for another six months, then we've one final little twist to the mystery in the November issue of CNVG, a new full-page advert is on the inside cover, it still talks about a computer cartoon, but that screenshot is new. Fortunately the contents page says Scooby-Doo on page 8 with a tantalizing shot of a high-score screen no less, but get to page 8 and not a trace. Not a trace anywhere. We need to move on one more time. Another version of the advert with two better screenshots of the new game welcomes us to the December 1986 issue of CNVG, telling us that after months of development he's finally here. And there's even a review in the same magazine this time that confirms it. When I reviewed the games that weren't by Frank Gasking, here, I said that as much as I love what we finally got, I still look at the original advert and wonder what could have been. Those screenshots are just so good, even if I am now questioning exactly what machine they're from. In the course of our investigation, we've spanned a high-profile cartoon license marketed for over a year with huge cost, double-page, full-color adverts in the top gaming press, plus all the other associated pre-launch marketing costs, not to mention what sounds like serious development costs, but no game to show for it, no resulting sales, and no doubt a fair bit of corporate egg on the face too. In retrospect, all those cartoon-accurate scenes were never going to fit into 48k of memory, but Elite still needed a Scooby-Doo game, and whilst it wasn't going to be an 8-bit laser disc showstopper, Gargoyle Games had something more than decent they could quickly realize for them. 
And also in retrospect, a brutal take on Kung Fu Master probably had far more mileage for the player too even if it wasn't really a computer cartoon. I've always known the final product as just Scooby-Doo, it's what the box says, the title screen, and it's even in big words along the bottom of the screen in case you forget when you're playing, but there appears to be one possible hangover from what was originally planned. The loading screen says Scooby-Doo in the castle mystery, it's a great loading screen too. In its defense, the game is still a mystery set in a castle, whereas you arrive Shaggy, Velma, Daphne and Fred are spirited away, and it's up to you to fight your way through the ghosts and demons that lurk around the mad scientists lair to rescue them. From Flasks? After the wonderful Spectrum rendition of the Scooby Gang on the title screen, we're in that classic Spectrum rendition of a castle. It's yellow, like all the best ones on there are. We're in control of Scooby, next to a suit of armor, and we can see a grand staircase on the floor above us and a couple of doors. And doors are about to become your worst enemy because that's where the ghosts and the witches and the demons and the spectral fish are coming from to attack you. Relentlessly. You're not quite defenseless, with a scooby punch dispatching them instantly, and you can do a really scaredy cat duck, by a dog, to avoid bats, and the like in later levels, and jump, which will take you over the lethal skulls on the floor gaps and the bowling ball things that also appear on later levels. A touch from every enemy type means instant death, and a few levels in when they're coming downstairs as well as out of doors, those six lives you started with and any bonus ones from Scooby Snacks you've come across aren't going to feel quite as generous as you first thought. Once you found your friends in four increasingly difficult, increasingly complex maze-like levels, each with their own unique color scheme and bizarre enemies, you're then hunting the mad scientists. Yes, turns out there's more than one, in fact, as far as I can tell, once you've got one you'll just keep moving to the next repeated level layout to find the next, and rather than finish it will then just keep looping the levels ad infinitum. It might be about a cartoon character, but this game pulls no punches. It's Bruta, and even once you've learned the levels, it's going to take some serious luck with enemy spawns to fight your way to where you need to be. A nice touch is a practice mode where you can get the lie of the land in each level before mounting an attack on the full game, seems a bit more casual in this mode too, though not easy by any means. I'm not sure if this is the right way to play, but rather than spend long in practice modes, what worked for me is applying the patience of a saint to space management-based scrapping, not to be confused with Scrappy, the original Jar Jar Binks. As said before, if you're familiar with Kung Fu Master and the like, you've got enemies coming from left and right, sometimes at different speeds, and you're working out which way to punch first, then quickly doing it the other way. With other games, the enemies are generally coming from one of the edges of the screen, but here they're coming out of doors as well as edges. And there's doors everywhere. That translates to inching your way forwards, waiting got something to come out of a door, going past the door, waiting for something else to come out, then inching forwards a bit more, then repeat. Later on you need to watch out for what's coming from above as well, and you need to apply a similar process to stairs, gaps and skull jumps until you've found your friend's head in a scientific experiment somewhere on the top floor. This winning strategy takes forever, and I definitely struggle to maintain my patience when I'm tempted by a nice looking staircase, but it's still fun and it's the only way I ever got to finish the game. One day I might do a walkthrough video and it will become the most boring walkthrough ever, the anti-speedrun. But most times when I play I just forget all of that and enjoy larking around in the first two levels beating up ghosts. One other winning strategy, if you're interested in high scores, is to get a couple of levels in, back up against a wall, and just hold down fire as the spooks run into your deadly paw. 
you can stay there forever and just watch those numbers rise. You don't want to be watching numbers when you're playing Scooby-Doo though, even if it wasn't a computer cartoon, this game was helping to usher in the absolute golden age of ZX Spectrum graphics, where bold and vibrant colors backed up big, detailed monochrome sprites. The character design is superb too, with Scooby and the gang instantly recognizable, even when they're just heads in flasks, and the animation perfectly captures the feel of the cartoon. Just turn the sound down a bit because there's not a lot going on, but when you notice that grating punching noise combined with the sound of ghosts coming out of doors is as relentless as they are, you'll never unhear it. The story of the game that wasn't might be more interesting than the one that was, and that might not be the game I thought I wanted, but in the end it turned out to be the one I loved. It's equally fun jumping back into for short bursts as it is knuckling down and rescuing all of your friends, or their heads at least, but with no ending, outrageously also meaning no unmasking, as far as I can tell, we'll never know about the rest of those pesky kids.